Hello and welcome to Kingdom Quest episode 219. I'm your host, Mike Apps, a.k.a. Wheels, and with me as always. Uh, definitely not distracted by Mega Man Battle Network 2, David Bernie, Family Master. And in day three of Summer Vacation, your man in Japan, Michael Baker, and Kaiji Minogatari. Oh, yeah. Granted, day one of Summer Vacation started off with a mandatory physical health check um, right after a vaccination. Oh, fun. Oh, boy. Well, yeah. at least you got vaccinated. <laughs> yeah, the first one, yeah. It's a good start. Yeah. So, um, you said you're playing Battle Network now? Yeah, two. Battle Network 2. It's yeah, good. a good one. Uh, there's a lot in it that seems just sort of traumatizing for no reason. So that's fun. <laughs> there's a bit that I just did where you have to prevent a plane from crashing, where it just sort of goes down a litany of all the things that might theoretically kill you in an airplane. Oh, fun. Yeah, that was a fun. That was a fun scene. Yes. It's just like, well, that, we need to that, make sure that. The, oh god. Was that Magnet Man? Yeah, it's Magnet Man. Okay, I, I'm. I'm. It's kind of fuzzing in my head which um which uh, Robot Master showed up in which episodes of that series now. So. Yeah, like, yeah, a lot of them show up in like very odd places. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and before that, there was like there was like one truly bizarre scene uh, where you're like trying to stop fucking international terrorist organization gospel. Yep. And for whatever reason, they decided that they would frame this as like essentially like the same framing you would normally give something in like a it's like, oh, you're in, like, a house full of traps, and you keep getting, like, messages from other people who are getting caught in the traps, and, like, for a while it sounds like they're dying, and I'm still not convinced that they didn't. We didn't, we don't see them afterwards, they just assure us they're in the hospital. But, it's, it's very strange, I don't fully get why they did it this way, but... Yeah, so that's that's been going well. Yeah, fun game. Uh, I saw a man who appeared to be who was still talking, but also sure for all the world looked like a corpse. So. What? Did you just call me a corpse? I didn't say you were a corpse. I said... oh, okay. Ow. Damn you, proto man. Oh, it's my turn to. Sorry, I was setting things up. Is it my yeah, turn to someone, someone else can start playing now because I don't have more to say. Uh, I've been playing good. Skyward Sword HD. Which it's is, good. It's really good. 
This Skyward Sword was already really good. Screw you, haters. Uh, but there's there's a lot of quality of life improvements, like other than just uh, the frame rate's way better, obviously. Um, I was gonna say uh, a lot of. Not that I ever minded the amount of like characters that talk to you, but they've kind of you did. They talk less. Yes, <laughs> they've kind of moved a lot of things that were required characters talking to you off to kind of optional, uh, which is nice, especially if you've played the game already and don't need like don't need to deal with that. Uh, uh, they've added um, button controls. If you're uh, a weirdo or actually have a physical disability that prevents you from using the awesome motion controls. About the only reason you should use the yes. motion, you should use the non-motion controls. It's like the button controls are clearly yeah. a compromise. Which is nice because that is one of the unfortunate things about the old motion controls is if you had some sort of disability. Yeah, the game was basically denied to you unless you essentially built your own custom mod of some sort. Yeah, uh, that's probably not in the realm of possibility for most people. Yeah. Um, and the motion controls on the Joy-Con work pretty well. You may have to do a bit more resetting since there's no sensor bar, but you know I haven't really had much of an issue. Um, and it's, other than that, it's, it's just a, a really good refinement of what was already a super underappreciated game. So, uh, highly yeah. recommend it. Um, I mean, not to, yes, the, the, the button controls are really, really weird. I'm sure most people have heard, but, um, if you, you're like on the go playing in portable mode, I'm sure they're, it's, it's, it's not the worst. It's a compromise. It's yeah. just. Uh, other that's kind of the big thing I've been playing recently other than you know like more monster hunter stories and whatnot uh, so yeah it's 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 quite quite a good port and I'm looking forward to seeing some of the classic moments from the game in HD and whatnot and some of the cool boss fights the hs of these yes HD's nuts <laughs> Sorry, I had to. Court order. I can't see that being a court order. Well, someone's lacking in creativity. Yeah. What have you been up to, Gadget? Well, I just finished Grandia 2. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Love that game. Yeah. yeah, I still like the first one better. Same. That's fair. Yeah. But I still just, love Grandia um, 2. I'm just like the the narrative was very very typical JRPG, and it, it hung on several logical errors that I'm not quite sure why the heroes needed to do a few things. Um, it was kind of annoying, but um, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, sorry, I'm getting I mean, uh, wrecked by Frodo now. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. There's like um what like the second major 
um, the second major plot arc was trying to find the uh, the old holy sword, and for whatever reason, the villain character Malthus couldn't do it. But when you actually do get there and you actually do it, you if you think about it, he, uh, the villain actually had everything he needed to access the thing in the first place. I mean, Malthus is not uh, not working with a full deck by the time that you meet him. <laughs> yes, but but the guy who is directing him does. Yeah, but you're still working on how well Malthus can successfully carry out those orders. Uh... And for that matter, I mean, Malthus had a certain character under the control with the uh, the claws, um, mm -hmm. and that character is instrumental in getting the sword for your party. I got a screenshot of the reaction a lot of things that sh could have been done better um, a much narrower scope to the entire world and um, I just kind of missed Grandia's um, way of doing it where it was just like yeah here's this kid he's going on an adventure and all of this incredibly crazy stuff is going on in the background and he's trying to survive hmm so they're very instead different. of um, instead of oh here's this kid and he's got a job he's got this job to do and then this job to do and then this job to do and wow coincidentally three years ago he actually got involved in all this crap without him realizing whoops whoops yeah yeah or not realizing that it was connected to everything that's going on now so I guess it's saying there's there's a whole lot of ass pulls in this story. That happens. And, um, yeah. More than usual for the JRPGs, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> and they, they could have they could have gone on side um, side ventures more. They could have expanded the world a bit more. They could have... They should have done more with at least two of the villains. And they probably could have cut down on the number... On the amount of pontification in the last few scenes. Because I, I want to see the, the main character being snarky and just blunt and not giving a long-winded speech on the nature of humanity and hearts. It's a very of the time. Yeah. Well, it's still the best well. thing to come out of the Dreamcast. Well, Best Arcadia is right there. Though. I was going to say, yeah, there were a few other good right. games from that. System. One of the best things uh, to come out of the Dreamcast. Yeah, there we go. One of that's good. But and unfortunately, the CG cutscenes have not aged well. Mm. So, a lot of good art direction, though. Generally charming, even if Generally not so much charming. as good as the first game. The, there were there were a couple things to do with um, Elena and Millennia's relationship that I felt could have been or should have been delved into a lot sooner than they were. I mean, I was happy that the game actually got to that in the lead-up to the final boss. <laughs> um, but I thought it would have been much more interesting to have that be a, um, a secondary plot arc earlier on. <laughs> since they, they kind of hinted at some of it and then completely dropped it and let you think one of them was dead. Um, yeah, it's just definitely never coming back. Oh. Well, I mean, there's a big clue there, since the other character who definitely does die leaves behind the not item that lets you get back all of these skill points that you spent on him. Yeah. And Millennia doesn't. Yeah. 
also, it would suck to lose Milan. Yeah, she's really cool. <laughs> yep. I, I do like that in the epilogue, she's a school teacher. Yeah, yeah. It's like the one, the one of the consistent things about her is like, oh, she just like kids like her, and she kind of likes kids too. <laughs> yeah. Well, that and there's a like a Japanese um, trope that about the elementary or kindergarten level teacher being nice and sweet and then bringing the hammer down verbally on any kid who dares oppose her and then being nice and sweet again. Yeah. Actually, I remember an episode of Pokemon that was like that. <laughs> I think it was like, like either the first or second season of Pokemon. It was a Children's Day episode. Yeah. With Meow uh, um, featuring Meowth, mostly. Yeah. And the kindergarten teacher in that one, it was exactly her. She was just all sweetness and light until some of the kids got out of line and did something bad and suddenly it's like get you get back down there you little punks Arr! and it just completely freaked out ash and misty <laughs> yeah but yeah that's very much a character for millennia <laughs> so, uh, I, I saw her he's like oh she's a school teacher now you know what this completely fits the japanese trope <laughs> While you guys were talking about that, uh, thank you, Pew, for resubbing for two months. Subscriber number two to my Twitch channel. Of course, subscriber number one being uh, former staff member Koffel Silk, who subscribed while I was not even streaming for some reason and probably has never actually watched my channel. <laughs> Just did it. Yes. Yay. Yes, he cheated, Pew. I agree. Total cheat. <laughs> I can't believe you'd say that about your first subscriber. Yeah. Uh. So, do you think there's a chance we'll ever get the uh, other two Grandia games, major Grandia games, in HD? I would Switch? like it. I don't think much chance exists. Okay. <laughs> Not many fans of no, Grandia 3 really or Extreme. They remade Parallel Trippers. Put in Digital Museum, damn it. Mm hmm. There might be issues with Parallel Trippers since it's, I believe, partially like Hudson developed. Oh, Very strange. Yeah. That's mean Konami has a piece of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I need to. Oh, wait, now I know. That's weird. That's... I like how one of the side quests I'm having to do in Mega Man Battle Network 2 is a is an adult asking a child for a loan of 50,000 zenny. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me, I'm getting murdered by a plant in Skyward Sword here. Uh, so did we get any questions on the most recent episode? I know it's a little... It's a little late getting it up. Although if we Not recorded yet, no. if we recorded tomorrow, it'd actually be a little earlier than I've been getting, <laughs> getting them up. Nope. But yeah. Man no. Uh, but yeah, I also can't access the comment section because I'm getting internal servers when I try, so well, that's weird. Yeah, that's a problem. That's a problem. Uh, assuming administration knows about. 
Let's see. Smoking Joe in our in my Twitch channel says, I was gifted a sub. Does that count? Am I number four? No, I'm pretty sure my sister is number four. And also, I'm not sure any of those gifted subs uh, that were part of a bribe really count. <laughs> well, I can't believe I don't get to count. Oh, were you one of those gifted subs too? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> if you want to believe that they count, then they count. I have no strong opinions. Yes. But if you really want to be number four, you know, you know, ten gifted, you know, I'll call you number four for all time. I was going to do that. I would say that you have to call me number one. <laughs> oh, that's true. Except I've already said who's number one on multiple occasions. So kind See of what you've done. Yeah. You Real... did this to yourself. You're supposed to be my brand manager. Shouldn't you be stop me from doing these stupid things? You keep doing them off the cuff on the stream. I have to yell at you after the stream. It's true. It's very true. Uh, Boston makes me feel good. Uh, so, have either of you gotten to spend any time with the remaster of Legend of Mana? I have not. Sadly. No. I'm a little I mean, I, I played that one I to understand. death back in college, and so I didn't have as much um, impetus to get the remake as I did with Saga Frontier, which I'd never been able to finish. Mm. <sighs> yeah. I understand that, then. It's awesome, if, if you ever feel the need, just so you know. Uh, but I guess we should start digging into the Fire Miner list or something. Well, we did have one on the podcast... Um, channel oh, that's for RV right. Gamer. That's right. I totally forgot about that. So, um, yeah, Platium3 initially asked, what's with the extremely prevalent friendship is magical, saves the day, kills demons, and gods trope found in JRPGs? To which I immediately replied, shonen manga. And so he uh, redacted this to, what is the what is with the extremely prevalent friendship is magical, saves the day, kills demons, and gods trope found in shonen manga? <laughs> Thank you, Platium3, for just shoving it down the road a bit. Uh, uh, and the main issue there is first that everybody likes a good moral if it's, uh, it's something written for a younger audience. And second, manga itself is derived from an old Japanese um, storytelling style called Kamishibai, and a lot of those old folk tales are very heavy on this trope as well. Um, if you look at, for example, Momotaro, the entire story is... A uh, kid with super strength decides to get revenge on ogres, makes friends along the way. Friends help him beat the ogres up. Shrek. Yep. Yeah. And um, going a little more recent with Jiraiya from the 18th century, it was like ninja friends band together to get rid of evil um, samurai overlord. Mo mostly, sort of. It's that one's a lot more complicated. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. It's just it's something that's kind of basic to a few genres back, a few media back in in Japan, and it just kind of holds up because it's a it's a nice basic trope to hold on to if you're going for a younger audience. Children need to learn this lesson. Uh, we could probably have some sort of discussion about uh, how various cultures uh, treat 
the necessity of cooperation that would make, probably be mildly interesting, but also something that none of us is really that qualified to talk about. Oh, no, no. But, Charlie so. cooperation? Not that one. Oh, okay. <laughs> it, it's it's kind of funny because one of my first thoughts was okay well there's probably a social engineering element in there because japan does like to have morality classes and things but at the same time i realized that wait a minute the japanese animation industry is nowhere near as regulated as the american one um, yeah just uh, i was i was reading a, a twitter thread a couple days about about standards and practices for animated uh, series in america and it's just it's kind of ridiculous and random and varies from year to year it's like there was this one guy he was talking about how he had worked on animation for a tv series about a group of firefighters who were dalmatians in a year where standards and practices in america decided that you couldn't show actual flames in a cartoon because maybe children would be inspired to start fires and fire is cool and enticing. Yeah, uh, sure. <laughs> yeah. And then there was um, an article on the new He-Man remake that I read where... There, I mean, I, I barely remember this cartoon from way back when, but I had not... I mean, younger, really young me had not realized that you never actually saw anybody fighting. In yeah. That I mean, well, you can deflect those with your sword there, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, the main character is entirely based around having a really big sword that gives him magical strength, and you never see him swing it at anybody. <laughs> that kind of thing. He has the power to not swing that sword. Yep. So, yeah, um, I, I could firmly believe that a lot of the friendship is magic trope in Japan is like a reflection of Japanese morality classes. While at the very, at the same time, there is no evidence at all that Japan has any sort of regulatory body overseeing what should and should not be in cartoons. Forcing it to happen. <laughs> yeah, it just it ha kind of happens. Um, completely different webcomic I read a while back. It was by a, a lady who was doing an ALT job in Japan for a while. <laughs> and it was um, basically it was her watching one of the Kamen Rider series on Saturday mornings mm. and noting it's like in the early episodes she was kind of giggling because it's like is that um it's like on the screen it's like is that guy dressed like a banana yes he is haha <laughs> and then showing later episodes yes we estimate that this event will cause the destruction of seven-eighths of the global population that seems a lot and it's like and this is pretty on par for a Japanese uh, tokusatsu series for children. <laughs> yeah, that happens a lot for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's, it's just a whole different world of media over here. Largely for better. <laughs> yeah. So. Though, oh, have you seen um, anything about the newest Super Sentai series? Uh, not the newest one. Um, oh, I'm not quite sure what um, the title is, but it's um, the newest, basically the newest Power Ranger series is um, imagining the Power Rangers as Paralympics. Sort huh. of. Huh. That's an interesting idea. In, I can't find the name of the series, but yeah, there's at least one up. character with a, with like a 
science fiction wheelchair with blaster cannons. <laughs> it sounds um, pretty rad. Yeah. Is this uh, Kikai Sentai Zenkai? Possibly. Um, I'm just looking up the most recent one. The main series, I mean, yeah, Kikai Sentai Zenkai. Yeah, well, Kikai means machinery. Yeah. And yeah, and the catchphrase translates to full throttle. Um, oh, looking at it, it seems to. It, I I misinterpreted. If I saw it written in English, it's currently pronounced Zenkaiger. <laughs> Zenkaiger, yeah. Yeah. They they like to add the jer to the end of all yeah. of these series. Nentika Kentika Ranger. Yeah, which is why Power Rangers is called Power Rangers. Yeah, uh... That might be it. Hard to say. <laughs> it's yeah, apparently it another anniversary it, yeah. series. I mean, I, I only saw like a like a half second of a commercial for it, and the featured thing, the featured item was that at least one of the characters was wheelchair-bound. Hmm. That's so. neat. But actually, um, uh, uh, Kikai Sentai Zenkaiger is, yeah. Oh, that's that's a crossover thing, though. Let's see. Yeah, it seems to the be like the most finished. The anniversary well, one. The one that first most finished was Machine Sentai. Yeah. And um. Oh, but this one's mostly magical based. Hmm. I'll have to look okay. into it later. So I, so I've not actually seen my Japanese nephew in like ten months, and he's my usual um, go-to for anything about this. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do not know. Okay, I'm just talking here, but yeah. Um, okay, well, to follow up on shonen manga stuff, uh, what's your favorite? Super ridiculously shown in JRPG. Ooh, does the fairy tale that's, that's RPG count? Is that cheating? Playing, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I just uh, I, as soon as I realized, I, I, so I realized, you know what? The entirety of Battle Network would count here. It's, so. it's shown in as hell. Like one of the things I was, I keep remarking on is that, like, I appreciate, like, it's so shown in that there is an entire character. Whose like arc can be? I don't like friendship, and yeah, that's that really is the the whole thing, pretty much uh, writ large. Uh, I mean, you're talking about Wood Count Wheels, too, which okay. was like the last forty minutes of the game was all about having a heart and because we were friends and friends and love and producing life. Yeah. Things. Just the whole bit, all of the all in that last hour. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but um, um. 
was a hero bank. <laughs> that that oh, was a great one. Hero bank. Oh, oh, this is great. Um, in the big showdown against the uh, the main rival villain character, who has been super powered by the true villain, and he <laughs> wipes out. He he hits he hits the hero so hard that his entire bank account vanishes in the smoke. <laughs> Oops. And again, this is Hero Bank, where you power your character with money from your bank account. Oops. Yeah, so it looks like it's all over for him, and then his friends and family and pretty much every character he has met in the game starts rooting for him, and they they donate their bank accounts to him. Huh. And, like, they literally, they max out the, the number on his bank account, supercharge him, and he's able to blast back. Cash money, cash. Yeah. Green baby cream, cash rolls everything around me. Yeah. I need to play the second game at some point. I'm just like, this is continuously ridiculous. Smoking Joe 86 asked, does Breath of Fire 2 count as Shonen? Uh, it's definitely got a lot of Shonen DNA in it. Yeah, it's definitely a bunch in there, yeah. Um, I mean, hey, just I about anything on... I, oh, I've decided it's Chrono Trigger. Yeah, Crown Sugar, definitely. I mean, but for Breath of Fire 2, it's harder to say just because a lot of the plot doesn't fit quite well with the a lot of the tropes. I mean, you can see bits and pieces here and there, but yeah. Not sure what the writers were trying to go with, go for with that one, to be honest, sometimes. I'm not sure the writers uh, knew what they were trying to go for at some points. Yeah. But yeah, Chrono Trigger very much at times. Yeah, for much of its runtime, it's yeah. uh, extremely shonen. Yeah. Um. I guess I mean what what actually makes it shonen or makes a game shonen in your opinion then? Uh, I think that there's like a great deal of uh. Generally, like, stakes that are high but largely impersonal, and generally, like, uh, well, if I just try hard enough, and there's enough, uh, and I have enough friends behind me, I'll make it work. So, like, Kingdom Hearts would also be extremely shown. Mm hmm. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, not just the extreme range of stakes going yeah. from from starting with rescue the local cat from the tree to we must save the universe from this dark and personal super being um but also a kind of a simplicity to a main to the main character that that is a, a big one like shonen main characters have a very defined archetype and it's goku um uh. <laughs> I mean, uh, not just Goku, but I'm. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously. Dai from but... Dino Daibokin is also a good example there. But, um, yeah. I mean, Goku is a little too simple at times. Yeah, go, like the, the, like Goku is kind of the baseline that other things sort of spread up, spread around in terms of like, you can't make them simpler than Goku or it becomes a problem. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, like. I, I think I've seen people go simpler than Goku and it was like, okay, the main character is a moron. The main character is such a moron that it's honestly not interesting to see what they're doing at that point. Yeah. But, yeah, like, 
and certainly there are there are other things that like you would find in a shonen magazine than this, but like these are the kinds of shonen that have the most influence on how JRPGs were designed and written for many years, and certainly up to this day. Um, mm. Mm. Okay. Oh, um, so on Twitter I've been doing um, musical themes yeah. recently, and one I did earlier on, I actually found the sequence from um, Zetaonkan um, Otoda Master, I've talked about yeah. sometimes, with the halls of hush and breaking through the silence with a rock and roll jam session. Mm-hmm. Like and yeah, that, yeah, that's that's a ama- that's most ridiculously shonen right there. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, especially since it is literally every character he ever made friends with over the entire game, plus two or three villains, um, coming to rock out. That's and, generally uh, a good hallmark as well. Yeah, all my friends are here. Yep. So we can survive. This is kind of what makes Final Fantasy X a, a shonen game as well. Now 20 years old. So, yeah. Yeah, Final Fantasy it's now 20. Do we want to discuss the fact that that's now 20 years old? No, because I don't want to turn into dust spontaneously. I'll turn well, you into about, dust. Um, I, wow. heard, I heard a rumor that said that they might be considering a Final Fantasy X 3. Oh, Lord. They can we get Final Fantasy VI like 2 first? No, no one who worked on that still works I don't care. Yeah. Make it anyway. Why? Oh, Jesus. That sounds like a bad idea. Uh, the thing I was going to say was uh, they batted around the idea of a FF10-3 like five years ago and the outline they gave uh, like they made like a prequel novel written by Katsushika uh, Nojima, I believe. And it was not well received and sounded like a really bad place to start. Well, here I, I found it. Here there was um, an interview with Famitsu about a bit over a week ago, mm-hmm. and Nomura um, confirmed that there was an X three concept already in motion with the story written, mm-hmm. but that it's that a would... long way off. Yeah, that sounds suspiciously like it's probably the concept was probably somewhere. So they did make something called Final Fantasy Ten Two and a Half and No Daisho. Uh, which was a novel sequel to FF10-2 written by Kazushige Nojima. Whose who name just the... comes up right here with Final Fantasy X-3 as well, so yeah. Yeah, so uh, it was it was made, it was released in 2013 to go along with the first release of the FF10 and 10 HD remaster. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's weird and like it, it it's one of those things that's like just kind of doesn't feel like it has much reason to exist uh and that's the real problem with it mm-hmm. i mean uh, 10 too it definitely had a reason to exist just because the way 10 ended but then they didn't do it as well as they could have um, well, the thing is that, like, when ten two ends, like, it kind of wraps those loose ends up, and then ten three, because well, ten two and a half, starts by like immediately trying to sort of undo some of them, so there's a story to have. That's never a good sign. Yeah, so like it, it starts out like 
after the 100% ending of Ten Two, so Titus is back, and then he and Yuna just immediately get in a fight. Why? Uh, yeah, why? Very why? bad sign. Yeah, it's, it's one of those conflict. things. Yeah, like it's one of those things that like someone that like someone was like, well, we should do something for this remaster to like sort of hint that maybe we could do more Ten Stories, but like. The second you start reading it, it's like, this idea doesn't make any sense. You don't have any space to tell stories here. You wrap them up. And then, like, so, like, apparently there's a further, like, audio drama that's a sequel to Ten, Two and a Half, and it stars, like, and, like, it's, it, all of this sort of sounds like they were gearing up for a Ten, Three, but, like, this did not get as good of a reaction as they wanted, and so they just sort of, like, sidelined it, because, like, you get into these this like audio drama that falls up ten two and a half, and it apparently follows like a girl, a seventeen year old girl who says she's Oren's daughter, and Titus and Yuna are now just completely separate because we still haven't put them back together because we want to save that for ten three probably, mm. and it's just like what's everyone doing? Well, Lulu's the mayor of Besaid now. <laughs> it's it's all just very like why though. It's like when when the after years seem better put together than your plot concept, this is a mm. bad sign. Yeah, because like this also ends up being like, oh, and Sin's back too. No, oh, stop. Dear. No. Which which fanfic writer did they hire for this? It's oh, still Nojima. Nojima's Nojima giveth and Nojima taketh away when he starts writing plots. Uh, but yeah, apparently the end of this audio. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, was he connected to Chrono Cross? No, no, that was strictly a Masato. That was a that that was a different fanfic writer. Okay. But yeah, like apparently this ends with oh, Titus and Yuna and Waka and Lulu and this new character, these new characters, they're all getting together so that they can finally make a real final calm. And Yuna declaring no. she will defeat Sin once more, and it's just like why? Mm. No. The there real sin no was the friends we made along the way. Like, there is... I mean, this is I, a retread plot with no purpose. <laughs> no. I mean, X2 kind of went in the right direction by implying um, that there was more history than just sin in the background of the games. And yeah, giving us like... something to work with. And that would probably extend into 10.3 if they really tried. But like yeah, I said, but... retreading the entire sin plot would be pointless. Like, Terrible. the big problem, like, so thematically, I don't much care for FF10, but thematically, FF10 is about cycles. Spira is called Spira because it's about spirals, cycles. Everything cycles. The whole point of finishing FF10 is that the cycle is over, Spira is freed from, like, the sins of a past so long ago that no one even remembers where it came from. FF10 too is the world trying to recover and understand what it will be now that it's been set free from that cycle. So you have characters like the uh, new Yevon people who are all very into like, well, we can still, we can just sort of cut out bits of the old society and like, you know, we'll just still be Yevon. Yeah. And then you have like the youth league who are like, no, we need to completely extricate our, ourselves from our old society. Like all that mm -hmm. shit is going on in the background and it doesn't really explore that, but that is the correct yeah. place to the FF10 plot. Yeah, yeah that, that was that was my major peeve with 102 is that it didn't explore a lot of the stuff as well as it should have. So like and what you also, yeah okay and, and that and it its original dungeons are like 
blocky corridors. Uh, that was oh, yeah, issue. Yeah. They're uh, very small. But yeah, they. I, I really wish they had explored a lot of that side of things. Like, what do we do when our society is no longer bound into a literal spiral uh, or death spiral because of a literal death cult? Yeah. So, like, the big issue here is that, like, and here's the thing is that. 10, that a 10-3 that followed up on that idea could have done an interesting thing to actually, like, redeem that issue that people take with 10-2 that it's not... Because 10-2 does have that in the background, but it's much more Yuna's story about her finding, like, personal satisfaction, uh, whether that be through successfully reviving Titus or moving on with her life, depending upon what ending you get. Uh, with... But... Instead, their idea was, well, there's a there's a new the sin's coming back because of reasons, and uh, also Yuna's just sort of like joined back up with Yevon for reasons. It's it's really bad. It's like just the worst yeah. hack you could possibly take with making a yeah. uh, Smoking so Joe has definitely hoping. Bad fan approach. It's a bad yeah. fan fiction approach. Smoking Joe has a much much better idea by the way. Involved. Smoking Joe suggests uh, 13.4 as a better sequel to, for them to make. I mean, that that's also one where they would have to just completely decide to rewrite at least one ending, possibly several. But, uh, like, my, yeah, like, it's it's one of those things. It's like, it's, I hope that if they do have some sort of F of 10.3 in mind, that that is not the one that they choose to make. Because it just yeah. sounds fundamentally interesting. At that point, you might as well the, just remake FF10. <laughs> I'm trying to remember there was a Final Fantasy VI sequel, April Fool's joke from years and years ago. Sounds mm. like something like GIA would have made up or something. Uh, I mean, it was actually it was a really good one. Um, but, oh. Uh, oh. Oh, I don't remember. It was um, it was set as a sequel in like three years after the main game, and um, the way it was presented was like somebody was um, it, somebody found a small display at a games convention, displaying it. And <laughs> there was a it was a feature on a chef character who was a friend of Locke's, mm. and um, yeah, and it was mostly focused on how the world is surviving without magic and whether or not something else is going to move in to fill the void in the uh, in reality, basically. Mm. Yeah, I think I feel like the biggest issue with making an FF6 too is actually like giving satisfying closure to that gas. Yeah, because like that's what people would want to see. They would want to see that cast again, and yeah, uh, and honestly, that would be pretty good just considering the game didn't have enough time and plot to cover its own cast very well oh yeah there's just tons of them that don't really do anything yeah so yeah i mean even something like the after years for final fantasy 6 where we see like different groups of them struggling to survive or to rebuild acclimate properly i mean just even extensions of some of their world of ruin plot lines Mm -hmm. Yeah. They say that Saban is still holding up that thing to this day. It's true. He yeah. is. 
Yep. Oh, no, even better. They, they uh, decided to uh, repair the building with a pillar in the shape of the statue of him. <laughs> yeah. I'd accept that. But, yeah. I mean, I mean, in the sense that, I mean, just from a world-building point of view, those those goddesses of magic statues had to have come from somewhere. Mm. And the fact that destroying them did not immediately end the planet means that there's more going on involving them. Mm -hmm. And quite possibly, quite possibly something else can come back. Mm -hmm. So... So yeah, honestly, I think Final Fantasy VI is more open to a sequel than Final Fantasy X at this point. Yeah. Sure. Would I say it's a good thing? Probably not, but you know what? <laughs> it's workable. It's workable. I mean, I thought I thought it's the concept behind After Years was workable. I thought the presentation mm. that they finally exported it with was a bit questionable, but... Um, but I mean, the concept itself was good. So. Mm -hmm. so, I mean, I said as much in my impression years ago, but <laughs> so. yeah, yeah. I also had to stress that this was not the kind of sequel people would be expecting to play, and please go into it with that mindset, <laughs> which nobody did, and so everyone complained. Yeah. Welcome to the internet. It's a phone game. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, okay. So, um. Okay, what are we talking about now? Yeah. We kind of don't. Like, we would just have to dig into fire mining's questions, I think. Yeah. Like, unless we've got something else. Um, yeah. I mean, nothing I can think of offhand. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, there's supposed to be, like. Oh, we did have that saga interview come up on the site. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll be right back. Let's keep going. Yeah. Oh, and they, and they actually did use my question of, will uh, will Unlimited Saga finally earn the up, uh, the uppercase G? Yeah. So, <laughs> did we get an answer he, to that? Kind of. It was something like, um, oh, I can't actually access it right now because the site's acting up. But um, yeah, it's like there are plans to do stuff with Unlimited Saga in the future. Maybe they will see how it goes. Uh, they will let us know. Um, they'll look forward to letting us know how. <laughs> It will be remastered, improved, fixed, repaired, whatever, um, and uh, get back to us on the uh, any changes to the logo in the process. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> something. Yeah. Oh, they not took as it from good, the spirit not it was as answers I got to my question in the in the Mana series interview, though. Because <laughs> I, I asked the ones like, "Who came up with Little Cactus?" And the resulting answer involved an anecdote about how the the writer of the um, this one plot arc in Legend of Mana was known for getting drunk. <laughs> That's always a good start. Yeah. So. Actually, I think the the saga um, saga interview included my question on who was their favorite character too. Had a lot of responses for Albert. Huh. So, yeah, I mean he's. He's the most traditional protagonist the series has. So, yeah, fair. Yeah, but one guy was like, 
um, Mask and the Robots, Legend 2. And um, another guy was like, Mr. S, Mr. S. Like, yay. It's for someone. Yeah. Um... And a comment about how the the beauty of the series is that it could go from very traditional type heroes like Albert all the way to T260G. Yeah, that's true. That's one of the things I like. Any of them can be a saga hero, even if they couldn't be a hero in another JRPG. Mm-hmm. I'm getting my ass kicked in Mega Man, though. Um, really? Let's see. Uh, this is one that normally I would probably have uh, saved for when Gaijin was gone, because I doubt he has much to say about this, but I'll pull out one of Fireminer's questions. Uh, Let's see, 122. Had Project Van Buren, for those who are not aware, Van Buren was the uh, Black Isle Studios version of Fallout 3. Came out, how popular would it be? Or more explicitly, were there any fans of the old-school RPG design left by the mid-aughts? Or is the emphasis on the console market... Or did the emphasis of the console market ring the bell of death for these games? Uh, there's a, like... That's a complicated question, and at least in part, it's also... Uh, so, like, huge parts of Project Van Buren were reconstituted and turned into Fallout New Vegas, which enjoys a very uh, prestigious status at this stage. At the same time, that's also in part because it exists in contrast to Bethesda's own Fallout 3. Uh, and I think that if Van Buren had come out when it did, as the game that it originally was, it would likely have been considered uh, a disappointing follow-up on the basis that the people who bought it would have been extremely hardcore Fallout fans who hate a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think that it would have the same status that Fallout New Vegas does now with Fallout 3 as a contrast. Um, in general, uh, I don't... I don't think it would have found the same audience, both because it just wouldn't have had the same... This is this is a presumption of a, a mid-aughts interplay-published Fallout, which means that it would not have had anything like the level of promotion that Bethesda's Fallout 3 ended up having, and consequently New Vegas ended up having. So it would have kind of been inherently niche from the start. It would have come out essentially right before Steam took off. It's just like everything about it, not even getting into its gameplay, was positioned in such a way that it probably wouldn't have found much. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, same probably goes for Jefferson, the less well-known Baldur's Gate 3 they had started work on. Uh, let's see. Yeah, it was cancelled in December of 2003. Presuming it had been finished, it probably would have been coming out in 04 or 05. Uh, yeah, this, this would not have sold. Uh, and I don't even know that it's any fault of how the game was uh, what kind of game it was going to be, although it was apparently going to be... Uh, oh, they intended to have combat that could be either real-time or based. Uh, so... Uh, yeah, it's 
although it would have been primarily designed around the turn-based version of the combat, which would have also just pissed a lot of people off. Um, but yeah, the, the game would have been... It would have had issues, and it would have... Honestly, it would probably have become nearly impossible to play uh, almost immediately. Uh, because... Uh, Interplay was not in a good financial place at that point. Uh, so yeah, uh, I, I don't think I think Van Buren would have been considered a disappointment. Uh, with all else being equal, uh, it's a very easy it's very easy. I, I've ranted about this before. It's very easy to romanticize canceled. Mm -hmm. Like a canceled game can't hurt you. Uh, it can be whatever your brain thinks it should have been. Uh, I don't think that there would have been, uh, I feel like it would have disappointed a lot of people. It was like Black Isle as a company was not really, uh, versed in that kind of game at that period of time. Uh, it had suffered a number of departures since its heyday, even by that point. When did Obsidian happen? Because they had a bunch of black eyes people there. Um, I know their first game is a late 04 game. They had a very truncated 13-month dev cycle. Nice The Old Republic too. Yeah. That's their first game? I believe so, yes. Okay. Just double-checking. Uh... Yeah, they were founded in 2003. Fergus Urquhart, Chris Avalon, Chris Park. Yeah, so just a bunch of former Black Island people. Uh, and, yeah, uh, their first game was Code Word. So basically, a bunch of them would have left, honestly, before uh, Jeff, uh, before Van Buren was actually canceled. Uh... It's it's one of those things like I, I'm sure that in part that was because everyone sort of knew that the writing was on the wall for both the project and for Black Isle as a whole. But yeah, it it was just it whatever came out of that dev cycle was likely to be just bugged all to shit. Uh there would probably still be being fan patches made for it to this day, similar to Vampire the Massacre. <laughs> uh it, it would have just it would have had tons of content that was obviously missing even more so than the usual things from Obsidian. Uh, it just, you know, it it would have been a real game and not uh, what people can currently allow themselves to imagine that Van, Buur that Van Buren might have been. Also, why did they name their, like, working titles after precedence? That was weird. Uh... Mm. But yeah, uh, that would be my personal opinion about what would have happened uh, happened with Van Buren. It would probably have a hardcore base of fans uh, who would probably be very unwilling to shut up about it, but they would also be at constant war with the Fallout 1 and 2 fans. Let's see. And since this is a related question immediately afterward, how badly has Fallout 3 aged? Uh, hmm. 
I mean, I was never a huge fan of it to start with. Like, we've gone into this on a few uh, podcasts, but I honestly, if I never see an ironic uh, 50s dystopia again, it will be too soon. (laughs) And that's kind of, like, why Fallout doesn't mean much to me. Like, the entire aesthetic is people uh, people who are now uh, people my parents age making fun of things that their parents were making and that they saw as children I have no connection to the fallout aesthetic uh, and in general like there, there's some like peppered in 50s sci-fi that I think is kind of neat but like overall but like uh, that's more of the Fallout aesthetic in general, but, like, Fallout 3 kind of just is sort of hollow outside of the Fallout aesthetic. There's just not a lot else there. Uh, I mean, if you just want to sort of wander around a hellish wasteland, I mean, it'll do you fine, but you have plenty of other options for what to... for games that allow you to wander around a hellish wasteland in first person. Mm-hmm. This would also be why they moved on to the Outer Worlds for Mm -hmm. a completely different change of pace. We're no longer living in a 50s parody dystopia. We're living in an 80s parody dystopia. Yeah, and one that's a little more tragically relevant in a lot of places. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Reminded me of some of the discussions I had with my little brother concerning the some certain aspects of um, was it Bioshock? I think it was. Yeah, Bioshock. Yeah. Uh, I assume you're, that's what you're thinking of. That is a game. Uh, yeah, with the um, the uh, logical application of objectivism to its worst effect. Yeah, it's it's also a very specifically fifties uh, thing, but yeah, the objectivism kind of there there are definitely still people pushing for that, so it's definitely worthwhile to examine well where does that go and the answer is oh god (laughs) (laughs) no i i still remember a couple years ago my wife and i were visiting her host family in florida and i saw a a car in a parking lot with a bumper sticker what would john galt do oh god john galt would talk on the radio for three hours you know that my first reaction was well he'd go he'd go hide in his little cabin up in the mountains and cry to himself And, and, and whine about how the world was being mean to him. Yeah, now I need to actually look up how long this is John Galt speaking actually is. Um, it was something to the tune of like between 10 and 30,000 words and would take about five hours to actually complete. Yeah, I want to say that it's like, that it's at least 80 pages. Yeah, it was like 100, I think. It was, okay. um, I mean, I'm just going by if I've read on it. Okay, 60 pages is what I'm seeing. Uh, although that probably also depends on your edition, of course. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's... In, in the book, it's presented as a three-hour-plus radio monologue. Yeah. Oh, hi, Tam. But yeah, like, just imagine sitting through a radio monologue of that length. Uh... Yeah, I mean, let's let's be honest. They would have everyone would have turned off their radios before it was done. Yeah, because it's, it's long. Oh, and he's just thing. 
it's long yeah. and he's just ranting. But, yeah. Uh... And the only way anyone would actually listen to the entire thing is if you forced them to listen to it, which would actually be against objectivism. But, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, but, yeah, I think I think those of us who played Fallout 3 are probably in agreement. But, I mean, like, it's not a terrible game to go back to, but I don't think anyone would be particularly quick to jump back to it. Uh, let's see. Uh, further one. Is it just me, or did Bethesda stop taking risks a long time ago? I mean, everyone did, but, I mean, probably about... Morrowindish era, but honestly, before that, when we went to the franchise, uh, when did things like Battlespire come out? That's probably the last time they did something that could probably legally count as a risk. Uh, let's see, Battlespire was like late '97. It's like I mean, they immediately, but that's the very quickly became the Elder Scrolls stack. Mm -hmm. they, they just, like, Arena and Daggerfall were not huge games, but they were huge compared to what they were, what Bethesda seemingly expected them based on their budget. So, Elder Scrolls, uh, and Elder Scrolls Legend Redguard? Redguard or Battlespire? It's Battlespire that's an Elder Scrolls Legend. But, yeah, they, they made some spinoffs. One of them's basically Tomb Raider. Uh... Which, okay, the Elder Scrolls Adventures Redguard and an Elder Scrolls Legend Battlespire were the two. Redguard is the one that's basically Tomb Raider. But yeah, that, that's probably the last time I would count something Bethesda did as a risk. I mean, buying Fallout was not really a risk. They just turned it into uh, further Elder Scrolls. But also, Fallout was one of the most... Uh, ravenously hungered for IPs among hardcore players, so they were guaranteed a return on that investment. Mm -hmm. And they like got big promotion from like Microsoft over Fallout 3, so not really much of a risk. Uh, yeah, I, I would say that they stopped taking risks uh, probably before most of their current fandom uh, knew what they were. Honestly, before a great deal of their current fandom was born. Um, let's see. <laughs> oh, this is this is one that really tells us how long ago that this was. Uh, that these were put forward. Uh, what is the chance of either Unlimited, Minstrel Song, or Frontier 2 getting a remake? Uh, oh. We just basically the answer asked that is... question. We've just basically answered that question, and the answer yeah. is... I was like, uh, are you sure we haven't answered this question multiple times before? Yeah, uh, it's one of those things that, like, I, we've gotten it from other sources, but it just appeared here on this list. Uh, let's see. But we'll uh, set that one aside. This is probably no longer a relevant question, just because of how long it is. We'll answer it. My cousin has got herself a modded PS Vita and is learning Japanese. Should I encourage her to pick up Saga Scarlet Brace? Or should I give her my old DS to play the remix? She also likes Lunar and Breath of Fire, if that helps. Probably not, because they're very different, but... Uh, um, on, the, on the plus side, Scarlet Grace doesn't get that difficult to read. Hmm, that's that interesting. I mean, it, it mean, it's... You're going to have to learn a lot of... 
irregular kanji just for weapons and stuff. You'll find those all over JRPGs, though. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's that's kind of par for the genre. Um, and it doesn't get that philosophical at times. I mean, especially not compared to some of the stuff I've been playing recently. Um, <laughs> I mean, vaguely enough, but... And since it's designed... I mean, it's designed without a core narrative in that saga way, that means a lot of the scenarios have to be able to fit whoever is currently running them. And so, you, the the writing tends to be a little easier to understand, as long as you take a while to parse through it. Um, mm. I mean, as far as JRPGs go, Scarlet Grace is not the worst one that you could go with for just um, going at in Japanese, um, mm. especially available on the Vita. Um. I mean, there are games that are easier, but I mean, if she wants to do Pokemon, she can switch her Pokemon game to Japanese on the English card anyway. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, there's just there's just a lot of good little random games on the Vita that are generally a good bet. So, yeah. Have that any ones you bring up? Yeah. Anything else? Uh, well, I was just going to say, do you have any uh, specific things that you would recommend outside uh, Scarlet Race? Oh. Oh. Hard to say, because I'm trying to remember what exactly is mainly for the Vita. Um, I mean, in general terms, um, shonen is shonen stuff is better to go for than uh, more advanced stuff. Uh, yeah. Persona games are probably a bad idea, at, at least for a beginner. Yeah. That's I mean, I, I know I know several interesting kanji that I learned only because of Persona Three and because it was the first game I ever played that had high school level reading. Um. So. Yeah. And so of course, maybe... the entire the entire Legend of Heroes series is a bad idea to go with here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I remember we had an interview with one of the translators for one of the Trails games, and he gave a like a small paragraph in Japanese as a challenge, and and I looked at it and I'm like, okay, okay, okay. I do not know what this combination is supposed to be or how it's pronounced, but it's okay, okay. Something cottage industry, okay, okay. Um, is this an economics textbook? <laughs> and I asked that in the forum, and you know what it was? It was an in-game economics, economics textbook. textbook. Yeah, it was an in-game <laughs> economics textbook. Yes, and the section, the uh, combination I could not figure out was um, the uh, Japanese version of orbital technology. Oh, that when you start getting into those like, like weird made-up words, it also could be a little confusing. Yeah. So, yeah, so in general, lower story clout is a better idea for practicing your Japanese. Um, the the younger the audience for the game, the more likely it is to have a lower kanji count, and which is also good when you're starting out. You really uh, need to build up that vocabulary. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
video games being video games, there are a bunch of kanji that you will never see outside of them, most likely, including most of the weapons and quite a few of the monsters. Yeah. But it's still it's still good practice. Yeah, especially stuff. dialogue as well. We'll probably yeah. run into more common kanji outside of the proper nouns. Yeah. Plus, you'll also run into more um, grammar variations that are actually hmm. used. Um, yeah, that's one of the problems with like trying to learn just out of a book is that it'll generally teach you proper grammar, and then you'll run into like weird slangy grammar and wonder what the hell is happening. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking like um, the beginner Japanese textbooks tend to default to the formal mode yeah. conjugations, and a lot of people don't use those anymore. Yeah. So. You're usually safe using them because they're polite, but they're going to sound weird to people. <laughs> and you might have issues yet. hearing them. You might have issues understanding their less formal uh, mm. conjugations. Let's see. Uh, Tam offers Super Robot Wars taught me how to read attack and move. Yeah, I remember my Speech. little brother... My, about 20 years ago, my little brother was playing Bahamut Lagoon on emulation. Yeah. And um, we had to take the translation patch off because it had cracked the code so badly. Uh, the was, there were some major bugs attached to that um, English patch. So he taught himself like a half dozen kanji. Mm -hmm. Specifically, earth, air, fire, water, poison, and the uh, box in a box one for healing. <laughs> Ironically, you'll learn, half of, you'll learn a bunch of those, ironically. Not not so much poison, but earth, air, fire, and water show up a lot. Uh, I mean, those were the six major move types in Bahamut. Yeah. Yeah. It, it took me forever things. to actually be able to write poison, the kanji. Oh, just because um, I, could, I could recognize it easily enough, but from its design, it, its written design is actually kind of slanted. Weird. Mm. Um, oh, yeah, I'm looking at it. And so whenever that was translated into, like, Super Famicom period um, game font, it was really difficult to figure out how it was supposed to be drawn. Yeah, the kanji you're thinking of is, like, Doku, right? Yes, Doku. That's so. Yeah, and it is, um, it's not, I mean, it's, you can see how it's kind of got boxes, but they're actually more like... Like, they're slightly curved. Holograms. Yeah, it's very strange. You don't normally see that. Yeah, it's very heavily slanted. That one in Earth, because um, Tsuchi, Earth, uh, not Tsuchi, yeah. um, the other one, Chi. Yeah. That, um, is also kind of slanted in odd ways. And so whenever I was playing the really older, the older games with the Super Famicom style font, I could read them. I just could not write them because I could not figure out how to do the strokes. It took me forever. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, the, the, the stroke order is one of those things that's like, I, I'm eternally like lost on it. People can tell when you don't do the stroke order right because they look weird. <laughs> I mean, it's like um, in Japan, they teach kids how to write the lowercase d by doing a C and an L. And that does not look right. <laughs> it never looks right, but it still gets them to actually start from the inner circle of the D instead mm. of starting at the top of the D and turning it into a weird two. Uh... Things like that. Or... Um, I've got a lot of kids who their F's constantly look like T's because um, just writing with kanji and everything has taught them that yeah. the sidebar always goes first. 
And yeah. Down. So their T's and their F's end up looking identical. And I have to keep teaching them, no, no. In English, it's down and cross for all of these. Yeah. Just, and just another way since, that it's rough. Yeah. And, <laughs> and unfortunately, since English instruction for handwriting, at least for print, rarely includes a proper stroke order because nobody can agree on it 100%. And there's yeah. no standard for it in English. There's no standard for it, but there is a sort of generally understood sort series of shapes for it that native speakers and native writers will know and Japanese kids don't. Yeah, you kind of have to be exposed to it constantly to really start to internalize like how these are actually Japanese instruction don't take this into account. Oh. And so I've got a list of very common like form mutations that just get weirder and weirder and weirder. <laughs> And you can't really and blame them, because, like, what else were they supposed to do? Things like, uh, like, um, like, apparently a lot of Australians do the lowercase k in a weird way. Huh. Where it's down stroke and then up slanted stroke for the first crossbar and then down and slanted for the second one. And I've seen that, but I've never seen someone actually write it that way. Yeah, a lot of Japanese kids do it that way. Huh. Or, or because they're taught that the, um, the second um, on a small k, it's like downstroke, like vertical downstroke, then diagonal downstroke, and then they're taught that the second vert or diagonal downstroke is like perpendicular to the first one, like a T shape. What the f huh? And, yeah, and so, and everything starts getting crooked until it starts looking like this one particular katakana. Yeah, I think I can see where you're going with this. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of my work with junior high is like impromptu handwriting lessons. Yeah, I mean that's just gonna happen. Yeah, or um, because of certain um, radicals in Japanese kanji, they will always do the dot on the i first. Oh yeah, okay, always. yeah, I see that. And usually they don't just do a dot; they will do like a stroke. And it turns and it starts looking like a here a katakana e. Like, yeah, shush. yeah, yeah. I can see what that would how that would happen. Yeah, it's like no, no. It's just a dot. It's not a stroke. There's there's no like tail on it's, it in any fashion. It's <laughs> like down and dot, down and dot. I mean, the you most understandable the, you... one is how um, the letter J looks just like the letter sh um, the hiragana shi. Except facing yeah. the opposite direction. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that one kind of makes sense that they constantly do their J's backwards. Yeah, it's just like, well, instinct tells me she. Yeah. Yeah, oh, so. man. It's hard. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. Which is why my... Uh, my chalkboard handwriting is like looping and florid and it's like let's get get into the so you can just see every part this. of the thing yeah <laughs> and looping and occasionally connected to different letters connect to each other just to, to let's get you used to reading it like this people mm -hmm. yeah but i mean <sighs> but then you get into fun things like there are literally four different official ways to do a lowercase q yeah. Mm. 
one of which I was not aware of until a friend of mine from South America showed it to me, because apparently it's the <laughs> normal one in Venezuela. Interesting. It's uh, it's like the regular Q, like circle, straight down, and then a cross slash um, uh, diagonal. Huh. Yeah. This weird. Also, Wales, are you dying? No. <laughs> Lake has not moved in quite a while. No, I'm not falling asleep. You're falling asleep. Okay, let's hit one more question before Wheels dies. <laughs> That'll leave us with two questions and the inevitable, like, begging for more questions. Especially yeah. uh, if Fire Miner's got that other less ready in the cell. Huh? Well, Budai's uh, in my chat who ratted oh, me out nice. that I was asleep. Uh, Budai, you haven't sent us any questions in a while. You should send us some questions. I haven't made in front of Breath of Fire in a while. I feel like we've earned some questions. Like a month. Yeah. Uh, if if you've got if you've got something in your if you got something ready, I mean, we'd love to hear from you. Guy. I'll just say that. Um. Let's see. Uh. Okay. Let's let's hit one more before we fully falls asleep. Uh. This is question one twenty eight. Is it inevitable for any game that inspires strong emotions like Undertale to also attract? a rabid fan base? The answer is yes. Mm. Uh, anything people emotionally connect with, they will become both uh, like deeply attached to, like especially a certain kind of person. Like Certainly not everyone, but uh, if people feel a strong emotional connection, they are much more likely to become deeply attached to it, and uh, much more like interested in feeling that emotional connection again. So... Uh, I feel like it, you know, it, it will also depend upon like what audience that attracts. Uh, certainly, I would say that teenagers are more likely to become deeply emotionally and specifically invested, but certainly not exclusively. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, like that's that sort of thing is. Uh, just kind of part and parcel of you made me feel things, and I have strong opinions about that. Yep. See also the Earthbound fandom. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, uh, it sounds like we're largely in agreement, and also that Wheels is dying, so. Uh, guys, and tell us about your lovely books. Oh, well, I've got um, the the next one is actually up for pre order right now for ebook version. I get a hell yeah. 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 And um, the, the Summer Camp story and should be available in print as well on August 1st. Yeah. You yeah. want a nice, uh, handsome paperback volume to add to your bookshelf? Yeah, it's only. It, it isn't. It's not quite 600 pages. That's good. It's not quite 600 pages. You'll get your money's worth. It's not quite Eye of definitely, the World, definitely. Wheel of Time, book one. Wheels of yeah. Time. Uh, oh. But yeah, so Princesses of the Pizza Parlor by Michael Yarimizu. And it's nine episodes um, in ebook form plus two side quests or three paperback volumes. And then the uh, fourth paperback is incoming in about a week and a half. So, which is cookies and campers, because I got to go with the alliteration. So, um, 
And so the main story is basically how I imagined things would fall out if my then 12-year-old niece decided to drag me into running a Dungeons & Dragons game for her and her friends over the oh, course see. of a summer. And then Cookies and Campers is basically what would happen if that same niece would kind of kind of remember that, oops, we all signed up for summer camp, didn't we? <laughs> oops, uh, yeah, funny how time flies, isn't it? Ha 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 ha. And decides to just take the game with her and see if, how much they can play at camp. That makes sense. Yeah. Kids are, kids are prone to trying to make that work. <laughs> and then just for, the, just for the heck of it, conspiring with her uncle, the Game Master, to actually do a, her own story. So, that's fun. Yeah. So yeah, that's available uh, on Amazon. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yep. And we'll, we'll hopefully be awake for a further stream of Neptunia on uh, Sunday at uh, probably around midnight Eastern, so perhaps Monday, yes. depending on how you're reckoning. Yes, I'll be awake. 9 p.m. Pacific. Uh, whether uh, or not I can beat the boss who's now been stuck on for two weeks is TBD. Yeah, it, you're not even going to pretend to promise to. Uh, nope. Actually. Gonna uh, gonna GG. Figure out what I'm playing next. Yeah, uh, I'm excited to hear about that. Outer uh, Worlds. You have a giant Outer Worlds. Japan only games. <laughs> yeah. I've got a few odd oddities, including some stuff I just randomly bought on Steam. It's like give myself give give myself about twenty bucks and a limit, and just okay. People liked okay. What's under the people liked this section here? Okay, click here. Okay, what's the first thing that is heavily heavily super discounted right now get get that go to the next people also bought section see how far down the rabbit hole this takes us it got really weird at the end that tends to yeah because if you're going for anything that is 75 percent or higher discounted someone really wants to be rid of that <laughs> yeah so uh we see. shall figure out what some of these games are later. And as for me, I have no plugs other than the RP Gamer community, which you can join by going by joining our Discord. Or you, if when if the site's not having internal server errors, you can post uh, comments under this very episode. We will answer questions posed either in the Discord or in this under the comments section as best we can. Um, and also, you can Otherwise, ask them live on Twitch whenever we stream the yeah. show. On either the RP Gamer channel or Wales' channel. Yep. Whichever you prefer. Uh, otherwise, uh, I don't know. I don't really have anything else to plug. It's my birthday in a week. Say happy birthday, Dave. Happy birthday, Dave. Uh, <laughs> I don't know when it happens. Happy birthday. You're not getting out of saying it on the end. Uh, right, hold on. I need to do math. 28th. Got it. 20, what? No, Wait. 29th. Oh, right. You're, it's not midnight there yet. Wait. What? That's not the reasoning. No, I was just being approximate. By the time this goes up, oh, it will not okay. quite have been my birthday. Yes. I gotcha. <laughs> I'm tired. But yeah. So I, I can tell. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Wish me a happy birthday if you like it. Otherwise, uh, see y'all. Uh, see you, Space Cowboys. See ya. See ya. See ya.